Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. Welcome to Game of Roses, Inauguration Day Edition. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And indeed, we are moving into the illusion of a new America. Oh my God, right off the bat. Just let me have my joy clues, you fucker. I was going to say, I have the grin that I usually only have after a wonderful episode of play on The Bachelor, but for a news event, that is that we have had semi-peaceful transfer of power. Today's portion was peaceful. That's right. But welcome to this Thursday edition of This Week in Bachelor Nation. You know what this show is going to have. We're going to have This weekend Gains. We're going to give you all the most pertinent Bachelor Nation news. We're going to have a few parasocial plays to highlight. And we are going to be screaming from the bottom of the pit about how this show, our coverage of it, our indoctrination into it has affected our lives in ways both good and potentially detrimental. But before we get to any of that, we are going to discuss something that is happening outside of Bachelor Nation, some big real-world news event. And we are going to tell you exactly how it is directly related to Bachelor Nation because, as we know, all things are. This is Game of Roses. State of the World. As we know, the biggest news event on planet earth right now is the inauguration of the 46th president joe biden and vice president kamala harris they have been sworn in this morning at the capitol vice president kamala harris made history today as the first female first black and first south asian vice president in the history of america they spent last night hosting a covid memorial event mourning the deaths of hundreds of thousands of americans Biden urged Americans to come together as we confront the deadly global pandemic, economic collapse with millions unemployed, 8 million falling into poverty during COVID, and deep divisions over racial justice and police brutality. Ex-President 45 has retreated back to Mar-a-Lago in Florida. He leaves office after the death of 400,000 Americans, two impeachments, one recession, separating hundreds of children from their parents at the border, banning an entire religion from entering the country, 
passing almost zero legislation, stoking white supremacy his entire term, ultimately culminating in his incitement of a violent insurrection at the Capitol two weeks ago. And this morning, he pardoned 73 people and issued 70 commutations, including Steve Bannon and Lil Wayne. Biden inherits multiple crises from his predecessor and plans to pass 17 executive actions today, including reversing Trump's Muslim ban, halting the construction of Trump's border wall, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, halting the U.S. departure from the World Health Organization, imposing a mask mandate on federal property, and installing a coronavirus response coordinator. How does this historic inauguration relate to Bachelor Nation? Trump's ascendancy shone a bright light on the racism, sexism, and other dark parts of our country. Black Lives Matter rose into national prominence on another level this year, and with barely any new shows or sports to keep people distracted, as well as a horrific pandemic disproportionately gutting communities already oppressed through policy choices and discourses of racial inferiority, many people this year started to examine systemic injustices in the country, such as racism in our institutions and how we spend much more money on the police and on military defense than on programs that help people. By emboldening racists, in some ways, Trump is responsible for our first black bachelor. Batch diversity campaign took off just as the BLM movement once again became a national discussion and people started to hold media companies accountable and held ABC accountable. Therefore, a Matt James crown was born. I know Trump was a disaster. There is no getting around that. But he did give us one good thing. The stoking of the racism in America, allowing it to come out in the open, I think prompted a very necessary and dramatic counter-response, which did ultimately wind up in protests all over the country, in every major city, more people protesting for racial equality than we've ever seen in this country before. And I think, as you're saying, exactly how it relates mm-hmm. to Bachelor Nation is that on the back of that, the Bachelor diversity movement happened and Matt James was named the first black bachelor as a result. I do think that now because Biden is in office, and I mean, we can all feel it, there is a relief of stress that we've been under for four years because of Trump. I literally feel it today. Now, I'm not saying Biden is going to save everyone or fix everything. You just called him snow in the Hunger Games today. <laughs> Look, I saw that Lady Gaga performance. She is dressed in a fucking Hunger Games gown with a giant golden bird on her chest. The, the, it's a huge thing. That's Gaga. I know it's Gaga, Gaga, but that's the whole thing of Hunger Games. Like all the people that in the uh, capital, that's how they dress, these exaggerated kind of couture fashions. And it just gave me that vibe. And he kind of looks like snow. That's all I'm saying. Donald Sutherland <laughs> and Joe Biden have a very okay. similar look. Anyway. <laughs> But you feel lighter. That's great. Totally. Because I I feel like we are the direction the country and indeed the world was headed. At the very least, that stopped. I don't know how far Biden's going to be able to take it back in the other direction, but we ain't sliding toward the mouth of hell anymore. We're very close (laughs) to it, by the way. We can feel the flames (laughs) on our face, but we've stopped. Uh And we're going to now start inching backwards, perhaps to safety. But I do worry that that 
relief I feel might have detrimental effect, especially in our beloved game where diversity is concerned. It might be like, okay, well, they had to cast Matt James because the country demanded it and Bachelor Nation demanded it, I suppose. And now that we all feel this kind of certain sense of relief, maybe the show will start sliding back into its old practices. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think it will. I think that just as people, I think that people understand that Joe Biden coming into office doesn't mean all of our problems are solved and there's no work left to be done. There's an incredible amount of work to be done just to repair the damage that has been done to so many different areas over the past four years, let alone, you know, making even more progress. But I think... I think that the pandemic has woken people up in a sense, and I like to think that people are going to continue to hold leaders accountable and hold ABC accountable as well. You know, sure, Trump might have <laughs> killed the dwab, but who's going to kill the dwab? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying because that's from the language that you and I have created and speak to each other every day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) I saw Ashley Spivey posted this series of tweets by Claire Willett that were a bunch of positives that are coming that are related to this transition just because I think people are just so exhausted, but it did cheer me up. Jared Kushner will never be in charge of national policy again. The Keystone Pipeline deal is dead. There will be a COVID plan that's based on science. Stephen Miller will no longer be writing federal policy. The U.S. will rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. There will be the first openly gay cabinet member, Pete Buttigieg. And Biden has tapped Pennsylvania Health Secretary Rachel Levine to be his assistant secretary of health, who is the first openly transgender federal official to be confirmed by the Senate. So already, you know, huge changes. Great, great. Thanks. I'm just saying that I I worry to some degree that that sense of dread that we had for four years on a daily basis, that high level of anxiety and stress, it was instrumental in pushing society to the point where it was like, fuck this, this needs to change. Now that that is gone, there is a sense of relief. And I know Mm. logically, intellectually, we know there's much more work to do, but are we going to have that fire under us to do it? Collectively, I mean, societally. We shall see. I like to think yes. At least within the communities that I am a part of, I feel like I have seen a permanent change towards more, you know, year-round activism, not just during elections. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen it in you, multiple other friends, even myself. Like, I'm donating money to places like I never, prior to Trump, never would have done. Certainly, there is a permanent change in these kind of behavioral modes that some of us, maybe we're not even aware were possible in terms of activism, protesting, doing whatever our part is. There's Mm -hmm. just... That relief, I feel like there is a danger in it to some degree. I hope I'm wrong. That's just my feeling. And I'm curious to see how this plays out in Bachelor Nation. I think it will have an effect 
because bachelor nation is nothing if not a reflection of the country that we're in and how people feel about this or that it's just gonna be interesting to watch who will be the first white lead after all of this has happened you know we haven't had one it's very likely going to be somebody on this season of bachelor victoria (laughs) (laughs) that's the hard swing back (laughs) fucking i want to live in that bachelor alternate universe victoria larson is the the bachelorette it's just oh fuck a fucking chaotic nightmare oh god i'm just kidding everyone I'm not. I would love to watch that fucking show. But whether Joe Biden's inauguration gives us a Victoria Larson reign as queen or not, (laughs) we congratulate Joe Biden. We congratulate Kamala Harris, of course, for what is a historic day. And we hope that they can guide the ship back into calmer waters in the near future. By the way, I do just want to thank everyone in the pit who I know worked very hard on a lot of these elections and movements in the past year i had some people from the pit uh phone bank with me which was pretty awesome oh it's great yeah so yeah stay vigilant pit and that wraps up game of roses state of the world And now we're going to move on to all of that hardcore Bachelor sports statistical information that we have come to love. (laughs) Because the Bachelor is a sport, make no mistake. And we put that on full display in... This Week in Games. As you all know, we have been charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all the players for this season. So let's jump in. The third week of Matt James's historic season turned in a 1.3 rating in adults 18 to 49 and up 10% from last week in the Target demo. But the raw viewers remain steady at 4.7 million. It looks like this is going to be where the Matt James season lives. These aren't great numbers, but The Bachelor is still winning its time slot and night for ABC, and that comparative performance is really the only way to determine success at this point, as ratings for all television networks across the board wither away in the face of the hurricane of modern streaming content. Now, let's talk IG Gains! Season 25, Matt James is up 52.1 thousand, bringing him to a total of 757k. These are impressive numbers, but his gains are down from the 79.4k he added to his overall number from last week. We still believe he will hit 1 million, but it might take a little longer than previously anticipated, and our dreams, our highest hopes of him hitting 3 million are starting to seem like dreams only. Yes. Somebody from our beloved game is going to hit 3 million in the very near future. I thought it was going to be Matt James. I, I don't know. He may still have a shot. There's a lot of gains to be had in late season for the leads. Once it is narrowed down to hometowns, fantasy suites, shit starts in quotes, getting real, as they say on the television program. But we'll see. Congrats to Matt James. Approaching 1 million. Not looking great for the 3 million club. 
We shall see. Still a lot of game left to be played. And now for the top five follower gains. This is over a one-week period from January 13th, 2021, last week, to today when we are recording, January 20th, 2021. One player absolutely dominated gains this week with the largest gain of the entire season, an unbelievable 83.7K, bringing her into the 100K club at 141,000, Sarah Trot. This is to be expected as this week's episode was the Sarah Show. And according to Bachelor Data, she had the most screen time of anyone, including Matt James. She created her own spinoff show by an impressive volume of tear and victimization play in her isolation chamber this week, with scenes by herself and one-on-ones with Matt James and Katie Thurston. She crashed a group date and successfully blocked an Italian steal, issued multiple group and individual apologies, re-hit her powerful PTC, created a rivalry with every single other player, and ultimately performed a knock-knock goodbye. For 18th place, to walk away with 100k, she's created history here herself. I was astounded by this. An 18th place finish, largest gain of the week, she's in the 100k club, and I believe she was able to do it because she victimized herself a little bit through this process. And so the viewing audience latched on to her. Arguably, Victoria Larson made it a little bit of her show as well, but it was a different kind of show. It was a show of aggression, and people don't respond as well to that on Instagram. We're, we'll get to Victoria later. <laughs> Sarah's play resulted in both both MJ and Kit issued text Instagram story apologies to Sarah Trot, almost saying word for word the exact same thing, which makes me wonder if they have the same social media manager. But clearly she was able to portray a narrative in which she was bullied that would demand such an apology. By the way, it also makes me think we're not going to see a Sarah Trot resurrection. Those apologies made me think that because... They could have done that apology in person if she comes back to the show. So I think she's done for real. As do I. But congratulations to her because I think this is about the biggest gain you can get from this early of an elimination, even though it was a self-elimination. Really an astounding play. And it's just, you know, we're seeing all these players leaving the game early, Dale Moss included, that you just want to see him finish a season. What could she have done? Had she stayed, I don't know, but God damn it, I will always wonder. Do you think we'll see her with sand twixt her toes? I think it's going to depend on the situation with her dad, what happens there. Yeah. What happens with G-Eazy? What happens with G-Eazy if she has the ex-boyfriend? <laughs> We're going to get to that in another piece of this show in Bachelor Nation News, but there are some other things to talk about where Sarah Trot is concerned. But before we get to all of that (laughs) back to Gaines the silver medal for Gaines this week goes to one of our favorite players it's Katie Thurston 
She vaults to 81,000 overall with the addition of an impressive 47,000 for her continued on-brand sex-positive character work on this week's erotica group date, as well as her outstanding STCO play opposite this week's gold medalist, Sarah Trott. Thurston is well on her way to 100,000 followers on Instagram, which we predict she'll hit next week, and she is already sitting at 247,000 on TikTok. We are extremely excited to see how far she can take her gains this year. I think she's 100K club next week, guaranteed. As long as she has a line in the episode. The bronze medal in gains this week went to Rachel Kirkconnell. She gained 39.7K, bringing her into the 100K club at 122,000. Deserved gains for her Love Level 1 raise and group date Rose win, but her supercharged gains once again seem astronomical given the play we are seeing on screen, and as well as the swirling racism stuff on Reddit. One cannot help but wonder, are these spoiler-driven gains? What else could it be? She got a group date Rose, but is that worth 40,000 new followers? She wasn't the main story of any of this episode. And she keeps turning in these giant numbers. Yeah. It's also interesting to think that if it is spoilers, you've got 122,000 people reading spoilers. Or whatever. Maybe it's not all spoiler driven. Let's say it's even half. Probably. Yeah. 80 to 100K people who are reading spoilers. That to me is also an indication that the fandom of this show is treating it more like a game. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, I am fascinated by this. At least this episode, she was in the group date. She set up these walls with doing the public performance that she overcame, got the group date rose. This gain makes sense, but she's been in the top three in gains every week. And this is the only explanation I can think of. But also... If Rachel Kirkcaldle, the <laughs> the uh, seemingly uh, has some racism stuff in her past, if she is the ring winner on the first Black Bachelor season, holy shit! Oh my god, it's like it's like a Victoria Fuller one. And then we start getting into that old question again: How did the producers not know this? They very likely did, and cast her on the season specifically because of it. I believe. I have been arguing with people about this in my DMs. I go back and forth. It's hard to cover, you know, a lot of people, you know, we are aware of who is cast on the show, but nationally, people aren't aware of it until the show really starts airing. And then people are like, huh, that girl, that girl's racist. She did this shit. You know, I don't know how you cover all of that preseason. Some of these are likes on extremely racist photographs. Let's say that you're a producer on this season, 25, the first Black Bachelor. You, at the very least, are aware that you have to be extremely cautious about who you're casting. You don't want this to erupt into some kind of race issue. Most likely, maybe you do. I don't know. Whatever your ultimate goals are. But I don't think a person like this slips through the cracks. Not on this season. Just like I don't think Lee Garrett 
slipped through the cracks on Rachel's season. First Black Bachelorette. They cast an open racist, I think on purpose. But how can they see her li- unless they follow every single person she follows? How can they see all of those likes? By doing exactly that. You could have an unpaid intern do this in a day. They have a team of highly paid producers whose entire job it is, is to scrutinize these people's social media, to find out everything they can about their backgrounds. I just cannot believe they were not aware of this. That seems impossible to me. I mean, I'm surprised that in the professional era, the scrubs aren't going deep enough. You know, you got to go through all the likes. I'm sorry. I know there are a lot. I know these players are all growing up with Instagram being a huge part of their lives. They've probably liked thousands and thousands of pictures, but start your profile over if you think there might be any sense of this. It's not worth it. I think it should be, honestly, a new standard. When you get into the game, as soon as you get cast, delete all of your social media and start new accounts on everything. Start from zero. There's no real benefit in not doing that. Unless you already have like 100,000 followers, which some players, or tens of thousands even, fine. Maybe retain that because you don't know if you're going to go home night one. But if you're sub 10,000, delete everything. Start fresh. I'm curious. I'm I'm very curious to see what is going to happen with this. But uh, congrats on the bronze medal in gains, Rachel. (laughs) And congratulations also go out to our fourth place finisher this week, the juggernaut, Abigail Herringer. She saw a gain of 36K, making her the first player this season to join the 200,000 follower club. She's now sitting at 202K. Congratulations, Abigail. While she only had a line or two this episode, chiming in to join the group re the Sarah Trot drama, she has sat in the number one gains position all season, so this impressive 36K is actually a dip for her. We predict a one-on-one and a one-on-one rose for her in episode number four, though. And can you even imagine what that kind of screen time is going to do for this powerhouse? I cannot. I mean, she's getting the gains that Dale Moss was getting. But presumably she will be playing a full season, so she will transcend the Moss. If we look back to season 24, this is, of course, P's season. He had over a million followers. Madison Pruitt had over a million followers by that season's end. And, of course, Hannah Ann Sluss had over a million followers by that season's end. Those were the three people in the Million Club. If that's any Mm -hmm. model to be following, we are looking at two players walking away from this season with a million followers by the time the season ends. This is even pre-Paradise. I think Abigail Herringer could be one of them. I think she will. Here's I'm just going to go for it. I think Abigail Herringer will have a million. I think Katie Thurston will have a million. And I think... Rachel Kirkconnell. Rachel Kirkconnell. I have a million. <laughs> we shall see. I mean, you got to follow that trajectory. The data, the data is speaking. The yeah. data knows no political ties or Halloween costume. 
stuff. <laughs> uh, but congrats, Abigail. 200K club. Well-deserved. She's been a solid, consistent player, and I can't wait to see what happens when she gets a one-on-one. Fifth place in gains this week, once again, goes to Bree Springs. She is still drafting off of her amazing performance on the one-on-one date last week, on which she survived a deadly ATV crash at the hands of Matt James's inept piloting, followed followed by some mud play and a strong hot tub chemistry game performance with a parallel single mom PTC at dinner. She gained 20.8K, bringing her to 55.2K total. Springs has turned in back-to-back 20-plus K steady gains two weeks in a row. She's just grinding it out. I don't know where she's going to end up, but it feels like, to me, she's going to be around for a while. I think multiple hundreds Mm -hmm. of thousands. Definitely. Top four for sure. (laughs) Other notable gains this week, Kit Keenan saw an influx of 18,000 new devotees for taking the initiative to perform the first lackluster Huju of the season. She's now at 123K. Serena Pitt raked in 13,000 new followers for her one-on-one donkey play, love level one to love level two raise, and heartbreak PTC, putting her at 23.2K. And the queen, Victoria Larson, captivated 9,600 new followers with her hyper-aggressive not-here-to-make-friends-slash-terminator attack of Sarah Trot this week, bringing her total to 26.2K. MJ Snyder also gained a solid 6.4K for her commentary on the Trot situation, bringing her to 29.4K total. Anna Redman saw a boost of 5.2K for that colorful narrator, also settling into the Time Cop role this season, bringing her to 30.4K total. And the smallest gain crown went to Corinne Jones, who had it last week as well. This week, she posted the first loss at minus 200 followers, and now she is down to 26.9K. And that does it for this week in gains, and now... On to the rest of the most important happenings this week in Bachelor Nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation news, Sarah Trot exited the game this week in 18th place after an emotional self-elimination as rumors were beginning to swirl around her past relationships. Pictures from March of last year surfaced, featuring Trot out for a night on the town with musical artist g Easy in Los Angeles, and simultaneously, rumors began materializing that Trot was in a serious relationship prior to her appearance on Our Beloved Game with a boyfriend who condoned her participation in order to get her IG numbers up. That rumor maintains that she and this boyfriend never broke up and are still together now. Trot herself claims that the reason she left the show abruptly was to return to her family in order to spend time with her father who suffers from the terminal illness ALS. 
Trot recently appeared on Entertainment Tonight's Roses and Rosé for an interview with the Dark Lord's concubine, Lauren Zima, in which Zima surprisingly asked a tough question. If Trot's father had only weeks to live, why would she have come on the show? Trot then revealed that the producers coaxed her into joining the cast by promising her a special arrangement that would allow her to speak with her family via phone. Then, once she got on the show, that arrangement was not honored. Trot offered us a rare glimpse behind the curtain of Machiavellian producer intentions, and it was incredibly surprising that Zima was given permission to air this information. What is Trot's next step? 141k followers. Will she touch sand? And is she in crown contention? I would say that she's not in crown contention. (laughs) In modern era, Hannah Brown is the crown who finished in the worst position, and she was seventh place, I believe. This is 18th place. That, that's going to be a hard hurdle to overcome. I think she had crown qualities for sure. And had she stayed in game a little longer, maybe she could have pulled it off. But I agree. She is not in crown contention. And all the things that are kind of surrounding her now are, I think, going to be left as mystery because she did bail from the game so early. Mm. I don't think we're going to find out if she had this boyfriend. I don't think we're going to know what the GEZ thing is. I'm very curious to get to the bottom of this phone call system that she was promised by the producers, and then they yanked that off the table when she got in game. That is fascinating to me, because now that opens up the door of possibility. What else are producers telling these people to get them to come into this show that is going to destroy them? And then they don't do it once they're in the show. And at what point was Trot made aware of that? Like night one, fine. You can't talk to anybody there. We're shooting, whatever. She wakes up the next day. Hey, can I call my dad? No. Okay. How about tomorrow? No. And they make this exception. We see players calling their children. If they're a package deal, they get to call their kids as long as it's on camera. I mean, we could have seen that. Her calling her family, put that on camera. Totally. It's, I'm shocked i was shocked that zima aired this as was i a very interesting tid that came out of roses and rose and just generally the sarah trot story i think is going to expand we might get some more out of it but like i said half of me is like "Eh, this is just gonna all be gone it's the churn of the news that we're gonna get from all these people i think once the rachel kirkconnell stuff starts really blowing up that's going to take kind of center spotlight in terms of player controversy and i think whatever might have been brewing here with her boyfriend if she has one it's just such an incredible thing if she did have a boyfriend when she came on the show and that boyfriend was aware of all of this and okay with all of this That to me is like a fundamental piece of the professional era that players are coming on who are in relationships that they're still maintaining. And the person in that relationship is like, yeah, I get it. Go play your sport. Mm -hmm. I hope you get a bunch of fucking Instagram followers. (laughs) And I think that if we have this every season now, which seemingly like that's the direction we're headed, then what else are these people? We heard this potentially about Brendan Marais too, that he supposedly had a girlfriend the whole time. I mean, I'm not surprised. The gains to be gained are huge. 
Brendan made it to final three before self-eliminating. Fucking Jed Wyatt on Hannah Brown season won the fucking ring. <laughs> so not all are these yeah. players orchestrating their interests to the game and potentially maintaining relationships outside of it. They're, these players are going very far because it is so calculated. Yeah. Having sex with people. Presumably Jed and Hannah made love. And the producers allow it. The producers know these things. They knew Jed Wyatt at that point had a girlfriend. It was in the fucking tabloids by the time they were shooting the finale. And they allowed him to propose to her. This is the show we're watching. This is being complicit. Bachelor Nation news item number two this week involves, of course, Dale Moss. He took to his main grid to announce some stunning news yesterday. In an all-black post with white text, he wrote, I wanted to share with you all that Claire and I have decided to go our separate ways. We appreciate the love and support we've received from so many people, but this is the healthiest decision for both of us at this time. We strongly believe in leading with love and always remaining true to oneself, something our families have taught and instilled in us throughout our lives. We only hope the best things for one another. Please respect our privacy as we work through this together. He's turned off the comments on this, and former Crown, Claire Crawley, has yet to publicly comment on the breakup. After getting engaged two weeks after they met, although they had been getting to know each other in the parasocial world for some time, they were together for five months. Bachelor Nation is left wondering, will Dale Moss touch sand? And in an addendum to this story, a paparazzi photographer caught up with Dale Moss in New York yesterday and asked him if he was ready for paradise and he said i'm not there yet and they asked him if he would be the bachelor and he said not there yet (laughs) he made sure to put yet on the end of both of these sentences so these are both things that are in his mind and he understands better than anyone in bachelor nation how to convey a certain image and right now that image is heartbreak, even though there are DMs surfacing and screenshots surfacing of Jason from Claire's season saying that he's been in contact with Claire for over a month and that Dale and Claire have actually been broken up for much longer than we all know and realize. And possibly the final cherry on top of this narrative that is now forming about Dale Moss having a carefully curated identity online that may involve open lying to us Supposedly, the paparazzi who took that video knows Dale Moss, and the entire thing was orchestrated. What? I didn't know that part. Oh, yes. So much secrecy in the DMs that we may never know. The only thing we know for sure is this relationship is over, and Dale Moss now has some options before him. And he's right. He's got to take some time to cool off here. He's got to figure things out, but he definitely has enough time for Paradise because we still have a full season of Bachelorette to go through before that cast is announced, and he could potentially be the next Bachelor as well. He's in that talk. Here's who's in the talk for the next Bachelor, by the way. Dale Moss. Our talk. Tyler Cameron. Tyler Cameron. Our talk. The producers are fucking having this talk too. It's not just us. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine that? Dale Moss or Tyler Cameron as Bachelor, could you fucking imagine that? I hope it's one of them. If Dale Moss 
becomes the bachelor. If the crown touches this man's head. Can't believe I'm about to say this. He may be the greatest player the game has ever seen. (laughs) You've already said that about him. Well, he's the greatest parasocial player for sure. Because his entire in-game play was based on his parasocial power, setting that identity up. But if he can get a crown out of it, holy fucking shit. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. We, we already have never seen anything like Dale Moss. But if he can take his parasocial skill to that fucking level, I'm going to be blown away. I hope we get to see that. Or Jesus Christ, could you imagine this? Could you imagine this sand? P-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-he-
Watson takes 88,000 followers with him from the relationship, and Staus takes 139K. Will we ever see either of them in game again? Sand? It's such a hard question to answer because they were technically the winners of that game. Technically the highest profile players from Listen to Your Heart. Does that mean anything? If they were going to include any players from Listen to Your Heart, you would think it would be them. And yet, I feel like if they were going to include any players from Listen to Your Heart, it would be Matt Renato, Rudy, Sheridan Reed, maybe. I feel like those players have a more likely chance of touching sand than even the champions. It also, you know... Bachelor tradition, you don't really have ring winners tend to go on Bachelor in Paradise. Sometimes you do. You have Josh Murray, but um, not many. Well, good luck to both couples who have dissolved this week. We hope that everyone involved can find happiness eventually in life. Speaking of finding happiness eventually in life, the fourth item of Bachelor Nation news this week is a gender reveal. It's the Dyke twins, and we're going to have one of each, ladies and gentlemen. Growing inside Lauren Dyke's <laughs> womb right now is a boy and a girl due in early July. And we'll be talking a little more about the reveal itself in the parasocial plays this week. So Alessi is going to be welcoming a little brother and little sister into the world very soon. And this may not be the end of siring for Ari. There may be more Lion Dyke fetuses to come, but already they've positioned themselves as a familial dynasty in the fetus game and quite possibly in the future of the main game itself. Surely at least one of these Lion Dyke spawn will see game time. Definitely. I believe there will be a fourth. And that's pretty good odds. Four out of seven billion. How many people are there? (laughs) (laughs) A lot. This was huge. And I mean, we'll get to the, the parasocial plays of this, which was just extraordinary. My main reaction that I texted Bachelor Clues, Glitter Baby Who... The Lion Dyke twins are skyrocketing. Glitter Baby had such a brief window to impress us and simply didn't. Unfortunately. Poor Glitter Baby. Really poor anyone. I mean, we're going to get to this in the personal plays, but. Poor all of us. We're not Lion Dyke twins. <laughs> oh, God, I know. It's like when. Uh, you see people who have dogs that they dress up in little clothes and push around in strollers and you're like, fuck, that dog has an amazing life. I feel that way about the Lion yeah. Dyke twins right now. Oh, yeah. It's like, they're going to grow up in the lap of luxury. They're going to have celebrity from age zero. They're going to have this parasocial inheritance that I've talked about this before on this podcast, but we're entering a world now where your parasocial standing, how many followers you have, the engagement you have, that is the most important thing you can have because it determines everything else. Employers look at your social media. It's how we determine our president. You have to have some level of, in quotes, fame or celebrity within the parasocial world to even function, really, in in the world that's coming. And these kids are set up fucking perfectly for it. Their parents are giving them hundreds of thousands of followers before they're born. No, it really is becoming that Black Mirror episode where 
people's ability to do certain things is measured by their clout. I know um, it has definitely changed the online dating game. People put their Instagram handles in their bios, etc. And I have friends who are like, if someone's not on social media, I'm not going out with them. It's like a business card at this point. It's almost like you're fucking Amish or something. At this point, if you're not, if you don't have an Instagram account, you're actively choosing not to. And then the next question is, well, why? Why do you want to <laughs> not be a part of this modern world? Mental health. Sorry. It's, <laughs> that's just where we're going. It's like if somebody tells you they don't drive a car or they don't have a telephone, you're like, what? <laughs> Speaking of getting those numbers up, Zach Clark turned 36 on the 16th. Happy birthday to the only ring winner from season 16 of The Bachelorette who is still with his queen. Clark celebrated his birthday by appearing on a panel of experts for a virtual National Day of Service event to end the stigma associated with addiction. The event was hosted by Shatterproof, an addiction nonprofit, and sponsored by Joe Biden's inaugural committee. Clark is putting in some charity work with a dash of politics here. Perhaps he will be the first Bachelor Nation player to make the move into governmental public service. Time will tell. I am very curious about who this will be. We will see someone. I know that I have said this in a joking way before, but it's becoming less of a joke to me. I'm going to make the prediction now. Chris Harrison runs for some political office in the state of Texas within the next eight years. Why do you think that? He just moved to Texas. This is where he's from. He has a strong allegiance to the state. We know he is at least politically minded due to all of his likes of Dan Crenshaw's posts. I think he's (laughs) eyeing that as his next move and he's aging out of Bachelor. I think he's well aware of that. Even in this season of uh, The Bachelor where he's looking peppier, he is looking more like the Dark Lord of old. He still is looking aged and I think he can tell that on screen because he's very observant. Hmm. He's a smart fucking guy. He's watching this shit back and I think... You can even see it in his eye a little bit, like he's nearing the end of this. Your glint watch. <laughs> yeah, my glint watch. Spidey sense is uh, <laughs> tingling. <laughs> it's true, though. And uh, I just, I feel like his next move is politics. I think he's going to be the hmm. first politician from Bachelor Nation. And I think he'll win because he's famous. I think it, I think Chris Harrison is used to doing very little work. And I think getting into politics is a lot of work. And for that reason, I see him just continuing to do hosting gigs. Who wants to be a millionaire? Guest spot, et cetera, type things. I disagree with you about his work ethic. I think that man works hard as fuck constantly because he hosts a million things. He's always doing a bachelor show. Who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, Miss America. He's like everywhere, always. He's like a Ryan Seacrest type person, mm. I think, with work ethic. And to me, that's it's like the prototype for politics. There ain't nothing behind his eyes. He is like a blank slate. So the voter can look at a person like that and project whatever they want into them. And he can reflect that back. It's perfect for politics. 
I mean, I see people I see people commenting all the time Chris Harrison for president on his Instagram. So the idea has definitely been planted. Yeah. I don't know if he ever makes it to presidential level, but certainly he could hold no. Texas State House or Senate. Certainly. Anyway, congratulations to Zach Clark on living another year and taking part in this extremely important political and social event. That wraps up Bachelor Nation news for this week. And now we are going to move on to that part of the show where we discuss all the plays that our beloved players are making out of game and in the parasocial arena. This is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. There's a lot to talk about this week. Obviously, when you're in season, the parasocial play is a blizzard, a flurry of tweets and Instagram posts and stories and reels and TikToks, and it's hard to cover it all. So we have put together here just some parasocial plays that we are going to discuss before we get to the big plays because the big plays were extremely fucking big. The first thing we want to discuss is, of course, Bennett. That's right. On his main grid, he had a post this week where he is in a robe singing with 100% sincerity to the Star is Born theme song, which is just playing in the background. This is not an instrumental. It's just him listening to Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper singing and singing along with them. He is so sincere in this that it is unbelievable. And in this moment, it is possible that we are seeing the birth of a new cringe king as PP is now exploring his new life in a kind of serious manner. Bennett is moving in on the cringe throne. This is highly recommended. You have to go watch this video if you haven't seen it. I watched it many times. It is chilling, haunting, and I think... Bennett is always working. He has been working very hard in the parasocial game, and he is finding out what is working, and I think he's going to see the engagement on this post, and we're going to see more of it. And I can't wait. I mean, I'm scared, but also I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a very kind of... um, What is that movie about the, the psychopathic killer? There are a few of those. He's rich. Um, American Psycho? American Psycho. It has a very American Psycho vibe about it. It is staunchly lit. And there is a... (laughs) Just watch it. Unsettling energy. There's an unsettling energy about it. (laughs) Blake Moynes also attempted some strong parasocial work this week by replying to a tweet from katie thurston katie tweeted out mom if there's an episode to skip please let it be this one with a quote from entertainment tonight saying things are getting risque on the bachelor blake moines replies with his own tweet i know this feeling katie i know this feeling trying to get a little recognition for himself moines succeeded in getting one reply from Karen Schmidt and it reads 
Ooh, have you guys met yet? Katie, not replying to Blake Moines. But nice try, Blake. I see you out there. I see you working. Keep it up. He's trying to hitch his wagon to a shooting star. It's too late, Moines. Joe Park continues his Dr. Fauci of Bachelor Nation parasocial strategy this week by posting some more COVID vaccine updates. He is killing it with these. He talks about how he's running and how how that is going. Although he did partake in one of our parasocial errors of the week this week that we will get to. Sarah Trott also had some impressive parasocial work this week by posting a main grid swan song, all text posts that read, Real Queens Fix Each Other's Crowns. It has 83,000 likes. Nick Vial posted a TikTok and put it as his Instagram reel where he is. It is a video of himself acting out Matt James's players reading the DLH erotica on the group date. He is cross-dressing with wigs and dresses to portray the women and showing reaction shots of him in a men's shirt, presumably playing himself or perhaps Matt James or perhaps the fourth audience Bachelor Nation's reaction. The reel has 16.6K likes, a thousand comments, including one from DLH himself saying, I love this man and all these women. Well played, sir. The TikTok has 27.7K likes and 247,000 views. You want to talk about a cringe king? Nick Vial has been the cringe king since day one. He was the cringe king when he was just in the show. He was the cringe king before social media existed, okay? And now he's showing us that he still fucking has it. He can come out of the gate with some shit like this. You're now saying Nicholas Vial invented cringe? You've never called him cringe before in my life. (laughs) I'm saying Nick Vial not only invented cringe, he invented social media. Oh Another impressive God. parasocial play this week was <laughs> Becca Martinez. Blow through that. <laughs> uh huh. What did Becca do? Clues. <laughs> Becca Martinez posted a series of three main grid Instagram posts in which she has placed her baby Franklin in a milk bath in a pot and Getty style. Franklin holds a wooden spoon, and in front of the pot there are several vegetables and a text sign reading seven months. The caption reads seven month soup. No babies were harmed in the making of this meal. Martinez <laughs> is one of the greatest parasocial players of all time, and she does not disappoint here. This new take on the baby aging post trope delighted us and Bachelor Nation. It has 115,000 likes and 1,300 comments. This picture is so cute. <laughs> you guys have to look at it. baby soup I gotta say both of the chatty broads child work is fucking I don't like babies I don't like children wait what about you don't you don't like children I don't I don't like kids I don't like babies I watch Jess Ambrose's child every time I see one of those videos I'm like she's a fucking superstar I she needs her own show now baby ember I, I told Jess this. I was like, your child is anti-birth control. I'm like, Ember is so fucking cute and such a natural performer and delight. I 
I feel like I'm if I have children, I'm gonna be like, you guys are pieces of shit. I mean, look at Ember. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Dale Moss. I hope you're listening because that's oh how God. your future wife is gonna treat your children. <laughs> I okay, if it's with Dale Moss, obviously our kids are gonna blow Ember out of the water. Come on. <laughs> By the way, more on that later. A little preview of my scream. <laughs> <laughs> and now before we get to the parasocial plays of the week, we want to highlight a few of the parasocial errors that occurred. The first one is Spencer Robertson. This is Tasha's FIMP recipient from the past season of Bachelorette. <sighs> he posted an IG story that simply reads coffee question mark at Claire Crawley before the ink is even dry on Dale Moss's breakup posts. Literally as soon as the news broke, he posts this. Too soon, Spencer. Too soon. Just such trolly behavior. It, I mean, look, I wasn't thinking about Spencer Robertson and now I am, so maybe in that way this is a good play, but good lord. <laughs> By the way, I really liked Date Card posted a response where they just made exactly the same format Instagram story and said mask at Spence Mon <laughs> because <laughs> Spencer has been partying with uh with I just call it a Voldemort Wol- Wolverine. <laughs> He's been partying maskless with Wolverine in Miami. And speaking of maskless Instagram posts. Our parasocial air of the week goes to a series of posts and videos by Bennett Jordan, Jordan Chapman, Riley Christian, and Dr. Joe Park. They posted a series on their Instagram stories and their main grids where they are all together eating at meals, wishing people happy birthday, pulling down their masks, and then a series where they're all indoors maskless. And as far as I know, only Dr. Joe Park has been vaccinated. And you're still supposed to wear a mask. We don't know what the vaccines do in terms of how you can infect others yet. Maskless behavior has been a part of Bachelor Nation literally since the first days of the pandemic. And it continues to be. I don't think that's ever going to change. A little surprising to see Joe Park in this. But Mm -hmm. I think each of these other players will continue to make this exact same error forever. And now it's time to move on to the parasocial play of the week. This week, it's a dual award. We wanted to highlight two plays that represent the exact opposite ends of the social awareness spectrum in Bachelor Nation. The first of these plays goes to the best parasocial player we've ever seen, the recently single Dale Moss. There was plenty of parasocial play on Martin Luther King junior day this year many players were posting quotes and images of the civil rights leader to celebrate his life and his contributions to the civil rights movement moss took it to another level by posting images to his stories of his family's lineage including papers dating back to the slave trade it gives us a glimpse of his family tree going back to 1869 that includes the marriage of his great-grandparents in 1887 In another post, he writes, equality for the generations that would come long after he was gone. He includes a photo of his uncle, Johnny Rogers, posing next to his Heisman Trophy. This is an award given to the best player in college football every year, with a caption that reads, 
My uncle and family could never have experienced this without people like MLK. This is powerful, moving parasocial work being delivered by the best in the game, reminding us how far we've come as a society through the efforts of MLK, but not forgetting that we still have a long way to go. And the other parasocial play goes to the Lion Dyke's gender reveal social media blitz. This is a completely self-indulgent post, ignoring anything that is going on outside the beautifully manicured backyard of the Lion Dyke home. Ari's second choice for wife, Lauren Lion Dyke, had a main grid post of her, Ari, and little Lessie holding blue and pink cotton candy to reveal that they are having different gendered twin babies. Ari had a similar post, as did Alessi. The Lyndike twins aren't born until July 3rd, 2021, but they already have 237,000 followers, eclipsing their de facto rival Glitter Baby, who at this point is stalled at 16.2K. But the biggest piece of this Lion Dyke twins gender reveal was an 11-minute, 9-second YouTube video that is exactly what we have come to expect from the Lion Dykes, who have absolutely dominated the fetus game since entering it roughly two years ago to chronicle the growth and birth of their first child, Lessie, who has 364,000 Instagram followers at the ripe old age of a year and a half. This video is expertly crafted. It opens with the Lion Dykes in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A after leaving the doctor's appointment at which they have received the gender information. Lauren is craving a chicken sandwich. Before they let us know what they know, we cut to their backyard where friends have been conscripted into taking photographs and video of the couple with a little Alessi as they spin cotton candy that will be used for the official gender reveal. The video, ladies and gentlemen, is in black and white, so we don't yet know what the genders of these two fetuses are. After eight to nine minutes uh, of some cute attempts to get Alessi to eat the sugary confection and some more pure parasocial gaze moments of Ari and Lauren excitedly discussing their predictions on the gender, finally, the backyard video is flooded with color and we see that Lauren is holding both pink and blue swirls of cotton candy. The Lion Dykes are ushering a baby boy and girl into this dying world. The video, which was posted on January 19th, already has 413,000 views. To me, this week that had an inauguration, Martin Luther King Day, Dale Moss doing what he did with his parasocial plays, and then the exact opposite, the mirror image of this complete self-indulgence, still fantastic parasocial work. It's getting huge engagement and the video is very well done. But this is, in my mind, the division in Bachelor Nation is really right here on full display in these two parasocial plays this week. I've already discussed how I'm obsessed with the Lion Dyke social media. Even the Instagram posts of these, they are literally perfect. And you're like, I want to live that life of little Lessie. You just do when you look at these images. They seem like they're happy and they're living in, you know, essentially the Wizard of Oz (laughs) land. Everything's in color after all the black and white bullshit, you know. That's life in the Lion Dyke's backyard. And it is like, you know, a thing that continues to make me feel complicit is you know supporting them with my views and engagement etc um but you know we try to be objective and leave politics out of 
judging whether things are great parasocial plays. And both this and the Dale Moss Instagram story series were amazing parasocial plays. Both for drastically different reasons, but similarly impactful. And I think the Lion Dykes, as I've really started to analyze what they do with their parasocial work, they convey comfort in every image, every video. Their lives are completely comfortable. Even when they were going through a miscarriage and Lauren is experiencing extreme emotional trauma from this, the house she's living in, the clothes she's wearing, the things you're seeing, the images they're presenting are... Her hair is perfect. It's just comfortable. And I think that's what draws you into what they do is you're like, fuck, I do want to live at least at that level of comfort. Maybe you don't agree with their politics. (laughs) Maybe you don't agree with almost anything in their life. But you want that house, you want those clothes, you want to be driving that car, you want to be eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich with her. It's just so fucking comfortable. It's like watching a sitcom. That was one of the the main powers, I think, of Chuck Lorre's sitcoms. We're talking about Two and a Half Men. We're talking about Big Bang Theory. The art direction of those. Another one, Mom Does It Too. The art direction is perfect. The environments that they build and the way the characters look, the clothes they wear, it is fucking comfortable. And he would rubber stamp things like Charlie Sheen would always wear shorts and a button up kind of uh, shirt. And if you walk on Big Bang, Sheldon always had on like a t-shirt over a long sleeve shirt. It's these images of comfort that are always just being pumped into your brain. And the Lion Dykes have tapped directly into that in their parasocial work. I was curious that they didn't post any of these cotton candy pics on the actual Lion Dyke Twins Instagram account, but now I'm looking at it and it's only images of Lauren and it's tracking her baby bump and it's her in the exact same profile in the exact same direct center of the image in each one and you're like, oh, this is art you're looking at. Like, that's why there's 237,000 followers there's not just a sonogram there is these perfectly curated images and you're like i'm gonna track this and we're just gonna watch this bump get bigger in the exact same position there's something very um soothing about that well they've perfected that format i mean this is the fetus game this is what we talk about they have perfected it and now it's really just a matter of waiting for a power couple who has more followers than they do that comes in to do this exact thing. This could be an Ashley A. Kennedy or a Jared Highbond. Time will tell, but right now the Lion Dykes have this game cornered. But those are our parasocial plays of the week. Both outstanding. We can't wait to see what Dale Moss does next, as always. I mean, he's literally (laughs) in our parasocial plays pretty much every week. But thank you for indulging our state of the world our gains, our Bachelor Nation news, our parasocial plays, and now we've come to that time when we have to dive deep into the pit and scream in each other's faces about how this show is changing us as human beings, if we can even be called that anymore. This is Screams from the Pit! My scream from the pit this week is that I, we saw a breakup this week, Dale Moss and Claire Crawley. I received many, 
many messages telling me that Dale Moss is single and to slide into those DMs, etc. after Dale Moss publicly announced this. Yes, I had previously announced that I love level four Dale Moss and that my <laughs> phone background has been the same as Dale Moss's for many months, which is the words, I am unstoppable. <laughs> and my scream this week is the resulting time that I spent in a specific Bachelor alternate universe. Look, as much as I know we both, we all, want to see Dale Moss play the game again and touch sand in paradise, all the beautiful plays that would result from such a world, hear me out. (laughs) Batch-alt-you. Instead, we date... Dale Moss and Pace Case, Dace Case, Dale Moss and I, we make the best social media content that has ever existed. I have so many ideas. We both wear these Party City Superman outfits as we deliver PPE to COVID wards and hospitals. Dale Moss, you think that you're peaking hashtag unstoppable by trading these love note post-its on the fridge with Claire? I will personally train beautiful white doves to fly in your window, bring you love notes and sing to you, (laughs) and put your well-tailored clothes on. They will dress you. I will do those fucked up couples TikTok challenges where the partners trick each other in horrible ways that Claire probably wouldn't have been down for. Yes. It was cute that you crafted a beautiful IFI social media play by giving Claire a concussion. I will consent to even more exotic injuries. I will bring Dale Moss to Burning Man. Think of the content. (laughs) Honestly, it probably wouldn't work out because he doesn't seem very funny. I'm kind of a big laughs gal. No offense, Dale. I still LO for you, but it would be worth it for the content. Hashtag Dace Case Forever. If I may ask a question? Uh Uh-huh. My scream has finished. (laughs) Okay. Obviously. Okay. You drew to that dramatic conclusion. Yeah. You claimed that you would consent to even more exotic injuries than a concussion? Yeah. You know. I haven't... Look, I haven't thought out that specific (laughs) part of it. Right. To its fullest extent, um, yeah, I would do all sorts of injury play if it, you know, makes sense for the gram. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, is that really a scream? Seems like you got pleasure out of this fantasy at the very least. That's a scream. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, this is a fucking scream. (laughs) Cut to... You and Dale Monster actually dating, and then it won't be a scream. It will have been another prediction that comes 100% true from Game of if Roses. If Dale Moss and I date after this scream, I will give myself the parasocial play of the week for announcing this on the podcast. As will I. That would be impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't think Thank it's you. out of the realm of possibility. Thanks. I think I get those paths may up. cross at some point. We shall see. I've got a lot of ideas. Clearly. 
Hi, Dale. Nice to meet you. So here are 50 ideas I think we could do for an Instagram post right now that would at least get 30,000 comments. I mean, it's a path to consider. That's all I'm saying. Fair. My screen this week does not involve Dale Moss. Okay. Humble brag. (laughs) Or any alternate universe that has to do with Bachelor, or so I thought. As you know, I work on other things from time to time that are not Bachelor-related. Books, movies, TV shows, songs, whatever. Various creative projects. And I've been working on this book for a while, and there's a character that I was a little stuck on. I was like, what should this fucking character be like? What's the funniest kind of juxtaposition for whatever scene I'm working on for whatever, right? And again, this is a book that has nothing to do with The Bachelor at all. And then all of a sudden, the character materialized in my mind because of The Bachelor. I basically, because I was watching that, Lauren Leyendyke video, I was like, wait a minute. What mm-hmm. if this character like idolizes Lauren Leyendyke and she's trying to make her baby a fetus Instagram and she's into that whole fucking thing? And I'm like, that's hilarious. That'll work. The character materialized because I reflected the question back into my bachelor world and the answer came to me. And now there's the bachelor provides. shit. The pit provides, but now there's bachelor shit in this book. Like the words, the bachelor are going to be in the book. Lauren Leyendyke's name will be in the book when this character is talking about her. And I'm like, I think that's funny. And there'll be enough people that think it's funny. And even people who don't know who Lauren Leyendyke is will generally know that this is a bachelor reference because it says the bachelor and that can be funny. But I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Is there going to be anything that I ever write again that is completely free from The Bachelor. I'm working on this fucking sitcom pilot right now that's like set in a fantasy world, not planet Earth, like a Lord of the Rings type fucking Game of Thrones world. And I'm like, I, The Bachelor's going to come into that at some point. I don't know how, but it's going to. <laughs> <laughs> and my scream, I think, really is just like, I don't, it's become such a part of me. I'm so yeah, entangled it's in with your it. veins. I am not confused. You are definitely screaming. (laughs) But I kind of also don't mind it because I'm like, at least in this specific case, I think it does elevate what I'm trying to do in this book because a lot of this book is like kind of a commentary on American society and where we are and what's important to us, et cetera, et cetera. And I think The Bachelor is such a pure reflection of those things as well that using it as that, using it for that purpose in this book feels correct to me. And I'm like, am I tricking myself? Am I lying to myself by saying, well, even if I didn't watch The Bachelor like I do now. to yourself. (laughs) Exactly. But there's a piece of me that I wonder if I wasn't this plugged into The Bachelor, would that be my first inclination for this character or not? I don't know. And I'll never know now because... I think definitely not. You had just watched the twin reveal. I'm, I mean, I. it sounds like it helps, and it's definitely an interesting character to me. I mean, this is the shit that we study, so I'm like, I'm fascinated by a, a person who's fascinated with that. And, like, the idea, also the idea of, like, a lesser version, like, someone trying to copy that and failing mm. is very funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, this character has like a couple hundred followers, but treats it like she has tens of thousands. 
and then she has a husband who just kind of like goes along with it because he's like whatever that's her hobby and then she always gets pissed and is like it's not a hobby this is a business you know that kind of thing yeah uh at any rate i found it interesting that whatever my moment of inspiration came from the fucking bachelor and now this book that had nothing to do with the bachelor has at least a little something to do with the bachelor and then i'm like i guess in some way everything does (laughs) and that's just where i'm at now in the bottom of the pit i've probably i've probably put bachelor references in i think probably every single pilot i've written has a bachelor reference at some point (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm talking about at some point these are half hour comedy scripts like (laughs) you're like you can't get through 30 pages of writing without mentioning the bachelor once how do you do it that's what i'm saying like that's where i'm at now too where it's like well wait a minute i know that these people are going to find a magic sword to kill this troll but do they watch the bachelor by the way, we got a bunch of Bachelor references into The Good Place, and I think I had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Those are our screams. I feel good. Not unburdened, but I feel good. I feel like I can accept this, that I'm just going to have Bachelor references in everything I write from here until the end of my days. I feel more burdened by my scream. <laughs> Your prediction. <laughs> My prediction. Oh my God. I mean, I do feel unstoppable. The manifesting that is going on with this phone background has me thinking maybe I could get someone who has 778,000 followers. Good Lord. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week in Bachelor Nation. We will be coming back to you on Monday with a patreon episode so be on the lookout for that and it's going to be a good one going to be a digging deeper and then of course tuesday we will have our regular game coverage thank you as always for the tids a lot of good tids flying around be sure to send those to bachelor clues that patreon episode will be available at www.patreon.com slash game of roses and before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 6,876 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Praise be Dace Case. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 
15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with first leaf go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box that's t-r-y-f-i-r-s-t-l-e-a-f.com slash roses tryfirstleaf.com slash roses sweaters candles the dreaded bathrobe unfortunately mother's day gifts can be a little predictable and boring that's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. 
She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 